Um, you guys know that Easter is in two weeks, right? Do you know that? Robert, you know that Easter's in two Like me and you have this connection, right? Um, somebody, a little crowd participation. Somebody tell me what, what major event we, we celebrate at Easter. I'm sorry, what? Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make sure if you're here for the first or maybe the second time, um, you're not used to having crowd participation in church because you're always scared you'll say the wrong answer. You can't be scared about the wrong answer on that one, right? So let's try that again from the top, shall we? Here we go. Ready? Um, what's the big event that we celebrate at Easter? Yeah. I thought I heard somebody say Santa. No, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, the resurrection, right? And so at Easter, for obvious reasons, look, the resurrection gets all the press, all the pub, makes total sense. Today in our passage, we're going to talk about what had to happen in order for the resurrection to happen. Okay, um, we've been this, this all-in series, and I don't know how you feel, but like I feel like just the intensity keeps getting ratcheted up. Does anybody else feel that way? Like we go, like, I think I'm all in. It's like, oh, I need to be all in again. Oh, wait, and then into spirits move like in worship. I mean, our worship team, holy cow! Like there's just so much to spirits moving, right? And so this morning, like as we take these steps toward Easter, today we're talking about being all in on the cross. Because if the cross didn't happen, there's no Easter, right? Okay, that was another chance for you to have a very confident answer. If the cross didn't happen, there's no resurrection, right? There you go. That's good. That's good. I'm going to get it out of you. I promise. I'm going to pull it out. I'm like, a, I'm like a dentist today. I'm pulling it out of you. Bad teeth and all. All right. So uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 34. Let's read it really quickly, and then we'll jump into... Um, so just some observations, some takeaways. Here we go, verse 31. Jesus took the 12 disciples aside, and Jesus said, listen. Now, when Jesus says, listen, we should write. I mean, I know, I know how it is, like, if you're ever a teenager. Well, we we're all teenagers at one point, And your parents say, like, listen. Sometimes you do the opposite. <laughs> you don't mean to be disrespectful. You just, like, it just sounds like wah, 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 wah. And they're like, did you hear me? Yes. And then they come home later, they're like, where's supper? I don't know. What do you mean? Well, I told you to turn the oven on, put supper in, have it ready when I got home. You did? That's not happening in our house. Our kids are great. What will happen is when teenagers grow up to be me, Wendy will tell me stuff, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she comes home and she's like, the three things I told you to do, what, 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 what happened? You told me, wait, what? <laughs> right, that happens all the time. Like, when Jesus says, listen, lean in, okay? So here's what he says, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. So many prophecies about Jesus being the Messiah. We'll talk about that on Easter Sunday morning. So many prophecies that it is I mean, if you're, a, if you're a math nerd, it is statistically impossible for any one man to have fulfilled all of these prophecies unless he was maybe like more than a man, okay? So he says all the prophecies about what the prophecy said concerning the Son of Man will come true. And you know, at verse 31, at that point, the disciples are like, I told you, I told you, I told you this was the man. We knew he's the Messiah, Everything's going to happen. He just said it. We're going to Jerusalem, 
and everything's going to happen. It's going to be great. And then he starts talking in verse 32, and he says, he will be handed over to the Romans, and that's where they stopped listening. He will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Now, let's be nice to the disciples for just a second. We read this post-resurrection. So we go, um, yeah, so he says a bunch of bad stuff there, but he says on the third day he'll rise again, and we're like, check, he did it. We know that, but they didn't. I can guarantee you they didn't hear that. They were riding this emotional roller coaster, okay? So I'm not trying to pour salt in wounds. If this affects you, I promise you, I'm not trying to pour salt in your wound, okay? But verse 31, listen, we're going to Jerusalem where all the predictions about the Son of Man are going to come true. That's Virginia going to the NCAA, Okay, number one seed overall. They're like, man, we're going to the Final Four. National it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be awesome. Verse 32 is UMBC. Okay, now I know if you're not a sports person, you're like, what are you talking about? Is that like a new drug? Kind of. It's like kryptonite for Virginia, right? Um, the 16th seed, first 16th seed in the history of the men's tournament to beat a number one seed. They didn't just beat them. They like beat them. Right? And that's what happened here. They're like, man, we got this. This is going to be fantastic. What, you're going to die? Huh? Now, verse 33. They'll flog him, whip him. On the third day, he'll rise. Look at verse 34. This is like, this is, if there's ever been a verse that describes us, this has got to be it, right? Jesus is talking, and, he, and it says, but they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them. They failed to grasp what he was talking about. Like three times, Luke made sure that three times he told us they didn't understand. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? No. Please say it again. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? It's like, oh, my. I was, I was um, this is a total sidetrack, but I have to do it. So um, I was on an inner, I might have told you, I was on an inner city mission trip to Detroit like our suburban white youth group went to inner city Detroit. You feeling me, right? Like we went to the church where they wore the purple jackets for if they were greeters and like it was not white. It was awesome, by the way. But it, like our white youth group was put in charge of an inner city three-on-three basketball tournament. Basically, we were sent to die, right? <laughs> we love y'all. You're going to get shot by at the end of that tournament, we had to load all those people up onto the bus to take them back. And so um, one of my youth workers who um, was, you know, we're from Albemarle. Like, teenagers here, I know teenagers are teenagers, but for the most part, like, they're respectful. And, like, you know, they don't really give you, give you a hard time. Um, and, and so that was a whole other experience for him. And so he had, like, said to one of the girls to sit down because the bus was going to start moving. And she, was, she stood up higher. Like, he says, like, grown man. 15-year-old girl from inner city Detroit. And he's like, I said, sit down. And she's like, I said, no. I said, sit down. No, no. Yeah, sit down. And then I heard him say, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I was like, oh, no, you did not just say that. <laughs> She was like, do you understand what this means? <laughs> well, what? It's crazy, right? Like the disciples, they don't get it. They don't understand at all what Jesus is talking about. For the disciples, listen, the cross was not supposed to be an expensive piece of jewelry. This is our culture. We wear the cross around our neck. We put it on T-shirts. We put it on stickers. We have no idea what it means. 
That's our culture. Oh, the cross is awesome. Look at this beautiful cross that I found. Isn't it? Oh, I love it. I'm going to hang it around my neck, and I'm not going to live like the guy that died on it. What? The one on whom they had staked everything suddenly started talking about something that was going to make them lose everything. And they were like, what, what, are, what are you talking about? You said the kingdom was going to come. You said that all the prophecies were going to be fulfilled. And now you're talking about floggings and whippings and what? Are you, what in the, some, this is crazy, Jesus. Do you know who you are? We've gone all in with you. So you could lead us to something great. And now you're talking about a cross? Like, Jesus, do you even know what the cross is? And so I want to just share with you three things about the cross, okay? Three things really quickly about the cross. Here's the first one. That on earth, the cross makes no sense. The disciples could not even wrap their brains around what Jesus was talking about. One of my favorite games to play. We're going to play it together. Can we do that? Are you cool with that? We're going to play a game. One of my favorite games is Mad Gabs. Anybody, anybody played Mad Gabs? So let me just say this. One of my favorite games, not necessarily, I like playing it, but I like to watch people play Mad Gabs. Okay, so if you're not familiar with Mad Gabs, um, do we have that first one? Can we show it? Like you would hold that up to people and they would have to tell you, like they would read these words and tell you what the phrase is. Some of you are already trying to jump ahead because you're like those people. I love that. So, um, so you would like read it out loud. Like um, are you, you want to try it out loud? You want to try it? Go ahead and try it. Just read those words. Go. I'm sorry, what? What? Yeah, so annual investments. Let's go ahead and show the, show the answer. So what's, what's great about this game, we'll do one more now that you've kind of seen how this works. What's great is when you're the one holding the card up and you know the answer. And what will happen is the people that will read the words will read it, and you're like, yeah. And they're like, what? Thumb other of invention. Thumb other of invention. I'm sorry, what? No, the mother of invention. But you were so close. And so, like, you'll have people, they'll say the words, and it will sound like the answer, but it's not the answer because they have no clue what they're saying. That simple game is what's happening right here. Jesus is telling the disciples what's going to happen next and he's talking about a cross, and they've heard about crosses, and they're like, uh, cross, they're kind of even trying to say, like, wrap their brains around it, and they're, they're so close to what he's talking about, but he's just like, you're not getting this. It sounds like you're getting it, but you're not getting it. On earth, the cross makes no sense. Just a couple verses for you, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. It's foolish. Pity the fool, right? It's foolishness. Here's what the Greek word means. Foolishness means silly or absurd. What is the absurd message about the cross? I mean, if you don't know what the cross was about, the cross was a common way that they, they, they would punish criminals. They would take them to the scene of the crime. They would put them up on a cross. The Romans were really good at it. They, they could torture people. They knew how to get them to the brink of death for the most pain, and then bring them back so they could do it again. The disciples weren't ignorant about what the cross was. They knew what the cross was. It was a mad gab, right? They're like, the cross. They're saying it. They're saying the words, but they're not getting it. What is foolish? What is silly? What is absurd about the cross? 
I just suggest this, that a king would submit himself to a cross for people who don't even realize that they need it while they're killing him. That's the absurdity of the cross. Baptist evangelists are super, super good at saying if you and I were the only people on earth, Jesus would have died for us. Yes, it's true. We would have killed him first. If you were the only one, you would have put the thorns on his head. You would have nailed him to the cross. You would have done everything that we read that they did to him, and he still would have died for you. That's the absurdity of the cross. It makes no sense. So the disciples are thinking like, but you're a king. Like we're all in on the Messiah, Jesus, and you're talking about dying on a cross? Like you know, Jesus, that's for thieves, robbers, like bad, those bad people. That's for people who post on social media with bad grammar. That's who gets the cross. You're not one of them. Spelled correctly. Y'all were just like, what's he talking about? I, I lost you, I know. It was, it was, I lost you, I know, I could tell. You're going to be fine. Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. I'm just here to help you. I'm here to help you out. I'm just trying to raise your social media game, right? Listen, the disciples weren't thinking about their sin. They were thinking about their status in the king's kingdom. We get the same way, don't we? Like, uh, Jesus, um, you're talking about crazy. Crazy talk about a cross and death and, like, you're acting like you're not a king, but you need to be a king because if you're not the king, I'm not going to have a throne. Because I'm all in with you because we're going to Jerusalem to take this thing over, kick the Romans out. You're going to be the king, the king, and I'm going to be like close to the king. And if you're talking about a cross, then this is crazy and it makes no sense. And now what do I have? You'll be dead. And I know what you're thinking, but he told him he was going to rise on the third day, but that's old to us now. Sad that it's old to us. But to them, they're like, nobody's ever done that. That's, that's even crazier talk. Come back on Easter. We'll talk about that. For many people, man, it's like all they see is the status. They don't see their sin. And Jesus was saying, look, the cross is the next step in establishing my kingdom. And that made no sense to the disciples. It doesn't make sense to us today either. That's why I'm not knocking people that have the cross as a symbol, right? Bless. Bless them. That's why in our culture, people can wear a symbol of a cross and not live a life that has the message of the cross. Well, I got a symbol, but your life looks nothing like that. <laughs> I know, like, I'm, I'm trying to be nice, right? So I wore my cross necklace to church. Don't ask me to serve. You know what the cross is, right? It's where the king laid his life down in service to us. You're wearing that around your neck, and you're not going to serve. Just checking, making sure I heard that right. What that means is you're not following the king. It's not a piece of jewelry. It's a lifestyle. And for the disciples, they're like, I don't get it. Makes no sense. Why would you? Why do you have to do that? Why do you? Why do you, the king, have to do that? And if you only see the cross from this earthly perspective, it'll never make sense. The best. We get from seeing the cross out of this perspective is verse 34. I don't understand it. 
But what if we saw the cross from a different perspective? So on earth it makes no sense. What if we saw the cross, like, instead of as a symbol of our badness, what if we saw it as a symbol of God's goodness, right? What if we saw it from heaven's perspective? So on earth the cross makes no sense. Can I just say this? In heaven the cross made a payment, all right? A couple verses for you. Romans 6, 23. It's funny, I love it. It says, um, in, in heaven the cross made a payment. It's probably more like in heaven the cross made the payment, right? The payment. Here's what it says in Romans. It says that the wages of sin is death. Everybody say death. That's a fun word, right? Ugh. Ugh. Like literally would like to run as far away from that as possible, right? And the, and the Bible says the wages of sin, like the payment of sin is death. It's like you worked, and I know some of you are like, if you came to my job with me, <laughs> that is what I get paid, right? Like you're, you've worked your tail off, and then payday rolls around, and your boss is like, hey, man, for all that work you did, that's the payment for what you did, death. So that's the reality. Colossians 2.14 Colossians 2.14 says that Jesus paid the debt. I love that. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Um, I've had a couple of amazing gifts in my life. Um, it usually went something like this. Um, props to my dad. I love my dad. He's so generous. We would have like, like I'd buy something. I'd be making payments on it, you know, and you're just making payments on it, making payments on it. Making, and then like for Christmas, you open up this little box and there's a piece of paper in it. And you're like, oh, great. Somebody forgot to go shopping. Right, and that what happens when you forget to go shop, and you're like right on the thing. I owe you the most amazing, awesome gift ever. I have no idea what it is, right? I'm gonna think, of it, but it, it would always say something like, um, "That car you've been paying on, I paid. The, I paid the balance. That's a good gift. I mean, right? I mean, I don't care how much you owe. If you now, if you bought like a car you couldn't afford, it's a really good gift. But like for me, it was a Honda Accord. You know, like hatchback, two door hatchback. Had the little louver. How do you say that word? I don't know. Like louver things on the back. Um, had a windshield wipe whoosh, whoosh, on the back. It was awesome, right? It was awesome. So I think by the time we paid it off, I might have owed like a dollar. I don't know. Whatever I owed, it's like you know, a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever it was. But when you open that up and it says I paid the balance, I mean, you might try to be mature, like. Thanks, Dad. But on the inside, you're like, woohoo! Yeah! That's all I got. <laughs> but you're pretty excited, right? You're pretty excited. That's what happened at the cross. At the cross, listen, you got to get this. We think that the cross is a sign of our badness, but it's a sign of his goodness that we owed something we could never have paid. And we were going to have to pay it. It was on us. God was looking at us saying, you have to die. That's what you owe. And then Jesus canceled it. He canceled it. He made the payment for us. I love that. So what does that mean for us today? 1 Peter chapter 2, 24 through 25 says that Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. If you're sick here today, check this out. By his wounds, you're healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, you had no relationship, but now you've been turned back to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. You were far away from God, and now you've been brought back. We live near God. 
in order to be sent to those far from him so they can have nearness in his presence. And that's what it means for us today. Isaiah 53.5 says that God's punishment was placed on Jesus at the cross. Man, listen, if you don't get anything else out of today, okay, please get this. His punishment for sin was placed on Jesus. Uh, any teachers in the house? Raise your hand. Okay, so um, you probably nicer than I am, but like the times that I've been in charge of groups, have you ever found yourself saying to your class, Until, if somebody doesn't confess, I'm going to kill all of you. I mean, you don't say it like that. You're nicer than that, but you're like, we're going to punish the whole class until somebody confesses, until I find out who it is, like everybody's going to pay. Oh. Like something bad happened, there needs to be a consequence, and I would like to get the consequence to the one person who should get it, but if nobody's going to come forward, I'll just get all of you. Right? And then what happens in the class? They're like, come on, man. Come on. It wasn't me. I don't care. Just get up. It's crazy. Like, you, just, you, just, you just encouraged bullying is what you did. Right? You're like trying to be the responsible teacher, but you just caused your whole class to bully. And some kid's like, it, it was me. Just anything, right? Like that. Listen, you got to get this. Sin deserves punishment. Okay? It does. The problem is we keep punishing sinners when Jesus already paid the punishment. So that's why the church says stuff like this. Well, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket, and they deserve to. The church, people, the church, the loving arm of God in the world. (laughs) Well, the world's just going to hell, and they deserve it. They've been bad people. Yeah, but the punishment's been paid. That's what we just read. The punishment has been paid. What happened? (laughs) That was so weird. It was his phone, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I I was like, the wind is whistling a tune. I didn't know. I just looked out and saw the wind blowing. Sorry. We're going to edit that part out of the entire thing, right? I'm so sorry. I'm not making fun. I'm just, I was like, I didn't know what it was. Now I thought the truck was whistling Dixie. I wasn't exactly sure what was was happening at that point. (laughs) Oh. I can't wait to have a church with a lobby and walls and like, you know, like, I am just, I am way too ADD for windows right there. I'm like, I'm, I'm preaching, I am preaching good today too. I'm preaching the gospel to you and I'm like, that's a really nice truck. It's awesome. They're here, that's my ride. See, it's crazy. Right, so where were we, right? So the punishment's been paid. It's been paid. And so there's nothing left to punish. And you, man, you've really got to get that. The reason that we see the cross as a symbol of our badness is because we still believe that we need to be punished. I know because I talk to y'all. You'll say things to me like, well, man, I was having such a great week. And then yesterday happened. What happened yesterday? Ah, I just, I blew it. I blew it. I, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll come back to church in a month or two when I feel like I deserve to be there. Dude, what, are you kidding me? The punishment's been paid. Does it mean you get Scott off scot-free? It's going to really drive you crazy when I say this. Yes. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He made that possible. 
He paid the punishment for your sins and for mine. And that, you know, when you think about it, that's the insanity of the cross, isn't it? Is that we won't receive that because it feels too easy. But there's nothing about the cross that's easy. There's nothing about the cross that's easy. And Jesus went to it for us. Now, listen. So on, on earth, the cross makes no sense, right? It's foolishness. We can't figure it out. Why would a king submit himself to that? In heaven, it made a payment. Romans 5.8 tells us what the cross reveals to us about God's great love. Listen, but God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That just makes no sense. Hey, I love you. And here's what I'm going to do to show it to you. I'm going to kill my son. I don't know if I want to be your friend, right? What is happening right now? What he's saying is I'm going to pay the price for you. See, some of you have not even chosen to follow Jesus yet because all you've done is look at Christians who don't fully grasp the message of the cross, and you're like, but I feel like there should be a change in them if this is true. And you're right. You're right, exactly right. There should be a transformation in our lives because the king of kings stepped in where he did not have to and paid the price for us. The cross, he, God showed his great love for us. And that kind of love should transform us. I am not the same man that you met so many years ago. Because Wendy's love has transformed me. You should have known me before she met me. I wouldn't come to your church then. You're exactly right. Neither would I. I'm so much better now. Love transforms. And I'm not just saying that because Wendy's like on this marathon binge thing with like Hallmark movies right now. It sounds like something a Hallmark movie would say, love transforms the heart. Yes, it does. Yes, yes, it does. But it's true, right? It's true. This is where we see it. God's great love transforms us. We're beating the world up with a symbol of the love of God. It makes no sense. So here's why the love of God is important. The cross, listen, this is so important. If on earth the cross doesn't make sense, and if in heaven the cross made a payment, listen, the cross was not just about a calculating God making a transaction. It was about a compassionate God making a connection. I'm going to say it again because you didn't think it was going to be that good when I started. But then I got to the end, you were like, dang, I should have written that down. What was the first word? Here we go. Check it out. The cross wasn't just about a calculating God making a transaction. Oh, so you owe that, and you don't have the money. All right done. Like a rich man giving you a donation. It's cool for a while, right? But what you really wanted was a friendship. The cross isn't about a calculating God making a transaction. It's about a compassionate God making a connection because he wants to be with us. So for us, the cross makes a way to be in the presence of God, to have friendship and fellowship with a holy God. Matthew 27, 51. Some of this we'll touch on again at, on Easter Sunday morning, but I love Matthew 27, 51. It talks about at the moment of Jesus' death on the cross. Listen, this is important. Not at the moment he was resurrected. Again, the resurrection gets all the press at Easter. I understand why. It makes for really good plays, and it's super important. We'll talk about that on Easter. But 
when did God, from the top to bottom, tear this veil that was too thick for men to rip? When did that tear from top to bottom? Why is that significant? Because God, from top, ripped it apart. When did he do that? When Jesus died on the cross. For us, the cross made a way. He ripped that thing apart and said, you know what? There's no more division. Come on in. You can be with me in my presence. Hebrews 4.16 says that now we can, oh, your favorite verse. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly. Listen, check out this word, boldly. It means with free and fearless confidence. When's the last time you had an interaction with somebody that was free and fearless and full of confidence? I mean, free and fearless confidence, that's like the dude that's asking the girl out on a date, right? And he's just like, he might look like a beanpole, but in his head, he's like jacked, right? Hey, baby, let's go out. He's not really even asking. He's telling her that they're going to go on a date, right? He's full of confidence. I love, I love this quote from Tim Keller. Man, it's such a great way to see it. Here's what Tim Keller says. The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 in the morning for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access to God. Because of the cross, he has made a way for us to come into his presence. The cross made a way and because of that, the cross makes all the difference. Now, we're going to wrap this morning up. I've, I've got, I had this thing in my head, and I really, it was, it was so good in my head. And so I got on my computer, and I tried to make it look as good on the computer as it did in my head. And in a minute, you're going to see five images, and you're going to be like, dude, if that's what it looked like in your head, you were doomed from the start, right? So, like, I just want to, I want to try to help you really grasp Everything we've talked about to this point, right? So what does the cross mean on earth? What's it mean in heaven? What does it mean for us? Okay, so are we, are we ready for this? <laughs> We're going to play some nice music to try to make the pictures look even more holy. Okay, so none of this is probably new. You've probably seen a lot of this before. But um, so you got earth on one side. You got heaven on the other side. You've, you've probably seen somebody do this illustration at some point. Um, and so there's this gap in between. And you know where I'm headed with this, right? So I'm just going to let you go ahead and say it. What's going to go in that gap? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? Say it with confidence. Fear and fearless confidence, say it. Okay, the cross, yeah, but not yet. We're at slide one. We have to get to slide five. So. Earth and heaven, there's a gap there, right? Now listen, check this out. We know what's in heaven. Can we get to the next slide? In heaven is what my T-shirts look like under the armpits. <laughs> what? No, I'm kidding. I mean, over time. I know that was terrible. Why did I say that? God, I'm sitting down. You finish this out. Sorry, I just, <laughs> my wife who loves Jesus with all her heart and loves me, she just went, you ruined it. She's right, we're out. So um, I couldn't figure out how to really capture heaven because what I want you to see is the, the light in heaven, okay? Is that, so and I, I didn't want to put a light bulb, and that, uh, to me that felt cheesy. I looked for like heavenly light, and I couldn't find it, so I just did a yellow thing. Anyway, so that's in heaven, right? Now, on, on earth, we don't have that. Now, I want you to see this. Um, I, I personally drew that. No, I just copied it. So here's, here's what I really want you to see, okay? Follow this with me. We've all seen the illustration of 
cliff, you know, cliff over here for earth, the cliff over here for heaven. How are we getting from here to there? But what we always talk about is we talk about it from the perspective that we actually want to get from here to there. And, and I would like to think that you would want to get from earth to heaven. But the more realistic picture of our culture is that. You know what we do? We build the best cities we can on the Oh, sorry, go away from that for a second. Sorry. We build the best, there was your cross. We build the best cities, the best structures. We buy self-help books. We go to therapists. They tell us, you're smart. We watch the help. We get that whole quote going on, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We, we, we build ourselves up looking so good. We just don't have any power. No power. The cross, you can go there now. This is your big idea. The cross is the connection between heaven and earth. Not just a bridge. Listen, it's the connection between heaven and earth. And you know what it does? It brings the power of heaven to earth. Go to that next slide. There you go. See that? Beautiful. Ooh, the lights lit up. Wow. Romans 1, 18 says this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's a really good doctrinal point. It's a great kickoff for a three-week class on how to be the best Christian ever and serve with all your heart and work yourself to the bone for Jesus. It's not what it says. It says, but to those who are being saved, the cross is power. It is the connection that allows the power of heaven to come to earth. What did Jesus pray in the Lord's Prayer? He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have talked about the cross as if it's just the only bridge for bad people to finally get to heaven. I'm telling you, the reason why Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me is not because he was like, you are so bad. You better remind yourself every day how bad you are. I feel pretty good today. Oh, there's the cross. I'm just awful. He's like, no, no, like, have you ever seen those people that put on, like, it's tax season now. So we have crazy Statue of Liberty people, right? They're, like, flipping the signs around going, save $50. I'm like, you're making $5 spending that thing. I don't, it makes zero sense to me. I'm not going to go get my taxes done because you're the Statue of Liberty, right? What are they? They are walking advertisements for that company. And the reason that Jesus said take up your cross daily is because you're supposed to be a human billboard for the goodness of God in this city. Everywhere you go, people should see the cross. And because they see the cross in your life, it should point them to the goodness of God that brought power from heaven through the cross to earth. That's the point. And if all you ever see is jewelry, and if all you ever see is, oh, there's the cross. Yep, that's that thing Jesus had it down because I was such a bad person. You were. But you were. Past tense. But now the punishment's been paid. Like you could actually, this is crazy, if you had the worst week of your life, you could stand up from this place today if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you could walk out full of all the confidence, fearless confidence to boldly approach the throne and say it's not based on me. It's based on what Jesus did at the cross. And see, the disciples couldn't understand that. Why would a king go to a cross? Because that's the way heaven was going to get to earth. And then earth get back to heaven. I want to pray for you this morning. 
I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. First and foremost, I want to pray for anybody in this room that you've never followed Jesus. Like even this morning, you're hearing me talk about the cross. You're like, I've never seen the cross quite like that. Like I've always thought it just meant I was bad. I never really tied it to the fact that it's God's good and that he wants me and he pursued me to the cross. His reckless love all the way to the cross for me. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and this morning you're like, I want that. Would you just raise your hand and say that's me? I want to pray with you this morning. If there's anybody here this morning, I want to pray with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listen, let me talk to the Christians, okay? How many of you here this morning, you're like, holy cow. I don't, know if, I don't know if my life is a walking billboard of the goodness of God, but I sure want it to be. I want people to see the cross every time they look at me. And I just want to repent this morning to God and say, you know what? I've been a bad advertisement of the cross. I have shown people the bad side of the cross, but I want to show them the good side. The power that it brings from heaven to earth into their lives. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, wanna, I want to do that. That's what I want in my life. Thank you so much. We're just going to pray right now. Listen, the gospel is good news because the good news is that he brought to us through the cross what we could never get for ourselves. He did it so that we could now help him establish that here on earth. Father, in your name, Jesus, I pray. That as we walk out of here this morning, we would, man, we'd walk out heads up full of the confidence of those who have been redeemed because Jesus paid the price at the cross. The very thing that we owed that we could never have taken care of, he paid it. And not because you're just like this generous benefactor, but because you're a king who wants a relationship with your people. And so this morning we say thank you for the connection of the cross. Thank you, God, for your grace in our lives. In your name, Jesus, amen.